Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome to church. Uh, every day is the day that Lord has made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. So today is another day we choose to rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, we started talking about the gospel uh, about two Sundays ago now. And it's been exciting. It's been a blessing to me as well. And I believe that it's going to be a blessing to you too as you listen today. Like my wife was saying, as she was wrapping up her, the welcome that some people might think, you know, what I need in my life right now is financial breakthrough. Uh, but, you know, I don't really need the gospel. You'd be surprised that it's, it is in understanding the gospel that you'll be able to balance things out in your life. So sometimes people think it's God who will give them financial breakthrough. But I'm happy to announce to you that God is not responsible for your financial breakthrough. Oh, you know, Tunde, when you come to minister, you're always looking for trouble. Right, okay. Uh, I didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but it's the truth. See, God is not responsible for your financial breakthrough. But one thing that God has done for you in Christ Jesus, which is the gospel, is that he has delivered you from poverty. Amen. Now, poverty is a curse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Poverty is a curse. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has delivered you from poverty. So if you believe that poverty is a curse and you have been delivered in Christ Jesus from poverty, then you know that you don't need to be seeking God for financial success because he's already done it. It reminds me of the story of the children of Israel. You know, when they, you know, you know why they journey through the wilderness? You know, the God was supplying them with manna and um, quail, you know, so there was bread. I don't know what the manna looked like, but I thought I, 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 the account of Exodus said it's like waffle, waffles. Uh, waffles are nice food, isn't it? But I'm not sure how waffles really filled me up. So I, I wonder how much waffles each of them were eating on a daily basis. But the Bible tells us that when they entered the land of, uh, what's it called? When they entered Jericho, right? And some of them woke up the following morning thinking or expecting that they will see manna from heaven. Nothing happened. Canaan, yeah, but okay. So what, what, the wall is called Jericho, the wall of Jericho. All right, so when they got to the promised land, right, the land of Canaan, land flowing with milk and honey, praise God. Okay, Canaan has the wall of Jericho. All right, that's fine. <laughs> right, so when they, got to, when they got to the promised land, you know, do you know what happened? The miraculous supply of um, manna and quail stopped. Hello, the miraculous supply of bread from heaven, amen, stopped. The real bread from heaven is Christ Jesus. But the miraculous provision of God for those guys in that journey was the so-called bread from heaven, manna, right? But when they entered the promised land, which means now that you are in Christ Jesus, you don't need miracles in your life when it comes to your financial breakthrough. You don't need miracles. So don't be expecting check in the post. This is part of the gospel. Don't expect check in the post. Um, I'm so on some kind of confessions that I've had some Christians say as to how money will come into their pockets because they are giving tight an offering. No, it doesn't work that way. And the question is, how many people has it worked for? Maybe it's working for two or three percent. Does that mean that God is biased or God is partial? Amen. So the gospel is the, is the foundation of every believer. The gospel should be the basic, the foundation of every believer. You know, we should not seek God to get something. I repeat, we should not seek God to get something. 
Because everything God can ever give you, he has given them to you in Christ Jesus. Why are we called people of faith? We are called people of faith because we are receiving. We believe and we receive. See, see, for everything you need in life, God is not going to start preparing it or try to make it happen. He has prepared it. He has done it. Just is to discover, to believe and to receive. So now faith is not that we are trying to get something that God has not already provided. We are receiving. Faith is receiving from what God has already provided. It's when you hear statements like, you know, your faith will move God. No, faith does not move God. Your faith moves you to receive because God is constant. You know, I've had a statement from my pretty prominent preacher back in the days, and I, I, I get what he was trying to say. So this is what I was, I was saying to the church family this morning. I said, I hope people don't come in with some thinking in their mind that will have to struggle with word of knowledge. So I've not even gone into my message for today at all. I just have to deal with this because I feel God is speaking to someone. So this man of God said, you know, faith will make God to bypass every, every other person to reach a particular person who is trusting in him. That's not true. That is not correct. Now, faith is what we make the forces of the world, right, to give way to the man who believes and trusts in God. So God is not the one moving. It's the, it's the forces of the world, forces of spirit that are moving, obeying the, the, the faith of one man, not God. So because if your faith can move God, then God can be manipulated to doing some things that we want him to do. But God is not like that. God is not subject to us. We are subject to the authority and the power and the, and the majesty of God. Amen. So from the things I've shared, you will find out, you can see that the fundamental, the foundation of every believer is the gospel. So don't go to church to go and to try to go and get something. You know, all this thinking of God, when will you hear me? God, when will you answer my prayer? God, when will you hear my cry? Those thinking are not correct. You hear things like, and the Lord will remember you. No, God, God is not, doesn't have memory failure or memory issues that he will forget you. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that God promised that he's going to be in us. He's going to walk with us. We read, we read the account of Mark chapter 16 verse 20 that as the apostles went that the Lord was walking with them, confirming his word with signs following. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians 1.19 that the resurrection power, the power with which God raised Jesus from the dead is, is in you, is available to me, is available to you. Colossians 3, uh, Ephesians 3.20 says that unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think according to the power that is at work in you, you and me. So the power of God is at work in you and me. All that you need to fulfill what God has called you to do, to become who God has called you to be, is in you. So where is where is that part of the equation that says that God will have to remember you to answer your prayer? Those thinking are not scriptural. They are not correct. So if a person does not understand the gospel and they don't know what the impact of the gospel or the role the gospel play in their life, then they will be saying all manner of prayers that are ungodly, unscriptural. And that's why they'll be believing God for financial breakthrough. Will God print her money from heaven? If when you find some money in your accounts that you cannot account for, you better go and check the source. You know why? Because if somebody mistakenly moved money into your account 
and you don't raise it with the bank and you spend it, the bank will come after you. I've seen this. This is real life. People see some money in their account. I'm not saying people don't miraculously see money in their bank account. But it's not the norm. It's an exception. So some people may have been told by God and sent by God to send money into a person's bank account. But that is not how God designed us to live our daily life. As I was trying to relate to the story of the children of Israel, see, God did not wire us or design us to be living on miracles, miraculous supply. No, he has given us all that we need. He expects us to plant seed in the soil, to plant crop, to nurture them, to, I mean, farming, I mean, it's part of the commandment. It's kind of the way God designed us, not commandment, designed us. So if every believer were living on miracle, who would do the farming? We're going to be hungry. So we need to begin to look at the gospel, look at the Christian life, look at life from the practical perspective, not from the funny, flicky, sentimental, sophisticated, and um, manipulative way of life that many believers, not believers, many preachers have preached to us. You know, when I say, when I, when I post that way, you know, I'm trying to be very nice uh, so that people don't say, you attack people. I don't, I'm not attacking people. I have to call out on scriptural things, on scriptural thinking, so that we can think straight and don't give pastors like me too much work to do. I want to teach people about their identity in Christ, right? So that they can become who God has called them to be. But there's so much of falsehood, lies, deception in the world we live in today. I repeat, there's no such thing in the Bible as financial breakthrough. I repeat, there's no such thing in the Bible as financial breakthrough. Jesus did not die for you for financial breakthrough. So, sowing seeds, giving offering, right? And, uh, oh Lord, Jesus, help me. When I get to this point, I'm like, Lord, how do I get this? <laughs> okay, because everything I say, I must clarify it. So, seeds another, is another topic for another day. But offering should be our lifestyle. Giving offering, I mean, regular giving, committed giving to our local church for the work of the ministry should be a lifestyle. Not to give to get. You know, I've seen all manner of stuff when people tell you that speak on your offering, speak on your tithe, that God will do this. So when you speak on your offering and your tithe to get back, it means you are giving to get. But what I know is this. There's a principle in life that makes you receive as you give. I don't know how it works, but I know there's a principle. And it's not, it's not only believers that experience it. Unbelievers experience it a lot. They give and they receive. Now, carefully, listen, listen carefully to this. We don't give to get. We give out of, to, as an expression of faith, as an expression of gratitude. We don't give to get. When you give to get, when you give tithe and offering to get, you are in a transaction-like relationship with God. That is not an expression of love to the Father. Amen. So we give as an expression of gratitude to the Father. We give because we believe that God is our source. Amen. Lord Jesus, help me. I want to get into my message. Okay, I'm going to pack that one there because that one, it will not have a full stop. <laughs> Amen. So let's get on today. So the gospel. So for everything anybody needs in this world, in this life, I can trace it back to the gospel, showing them what God has done, how God has provided it, and that it is up to us to discover these things, to believe what God has given to us and receive. There's some blessings of God upon humanity. Friends, the Bible tells us that God makes the sun 
to shine on both the righteous and the wicked. See, the same land, this is not good news for many people, the same land whereby the righteous plant the crop and the unbeliever plant the crop, God has blessed it such that it will produce harvest for both the, both the righteous and the ungodly. And that's to show you the goodness and the kindness of God. Some of us, after we give our life to Christ, we expect God to be mean and unkind to the ungodly. But we expected him to be kind to us before we give our life to Christ. Can we see that we are now living by double standard? I mean, we, so we don't even really understand where we, where we are because the Bible tells us that God loved us while we're yet sinners. So you were not loved when he loved you. So now that we are born again, we're expecting God not to love the sinners. And the, and the basis of which the unbeliever comes to the Father is through receiving the gift and the kindness, seeing the goodness, the kindness, and the love of the Father. So religion must have wrongly taught us. Amen. Uh, that's a word to bless someone there. Um, a few things are still coming up in my, in my spirit and they're quite strong. I'm like, Lord, help me here. So as I get clarity, more clarity in my spirit, I'll, 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 I'll chip them in. Amen. So let's carry on talking about the gospel. Right. If there's anything that I didn't clarify, please, you can ask me questions and I can, uh, maybe I, I said something too fast. Uh, you can ask me questions and then I can, towards the end of my, of my, of my teaching today, I can, I can touch on it. Yeah, because I'm so clear now that I cannot finished my 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 teaching today amen well we might have a break next week though uh, because it's it's valentine and um i just want to use the opportunity to you know like my wife and i to talk to marry to, to talk to uh to address couples you know to you know yeah well let's see how that goes amen so let's see how much we can cover today to be a blessing to you as much as the Lord wants you guys to, to learn today. Amen. So last week I was finishing up, I was, you know, telling us that the gospel is about Christ Jesus. Today I want to, so I want to uh, continue telling us what the gospel is. So the gospel is a gospel of grace. And I define grace as the undeserved kindness of God expressed towards humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. I repeat, the undeserved kindness of God expressed towards humanity, not towards Christians. <laughs> because until you experience the grace of God, until you receive the gift of the grace of God, you can't be a believer, you can't be a child of God. So the grace of God is God's und is the, un is the undeserved kindness, the goodness, the kindness you know, amplified version, we, we render it as unmerited favor, something you don't deserve, something you do, you, something you don't deserve, something you did not, uh, you did not end by labor, something you did not work for. So the goodness and the kindness of God towards us through Christ Jesus, the death, the resurrection of Christ Jesus is the grace of God. So what I'm trying to say is this, how Jesus came to die for you and I to deliver us from the power of sin is an expression of the grace of God. How he was raised from the dead to declare you and I righteous and that there's no more sin to our own account is an expression of the grace of God. Amen. And how we're raised together with Christ Jesus in the into the heavenly places at the right hand side of God, the, the side of um, to have dominion over principalities and powers is an expression of the grace of God. So when we talk about the grace of God, we're talking about what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. And this is not something we labor for. This is not something we work for. It cannot be earned. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. 8 to 10. 
Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Yeah, pass you this mic so you can read for us, you know. Huh? I was speaking to my wife and said, I can pass this mic to you to read for us, you know. But, okay, uh, one second. Because sometimes I'm not as fast as some folks in the church who are very quick with this technology thing, right? I see very much old school, even though I'm not that old. Amen. All right, here we go. What do we have? Um, Ephesians 2, 8. I think I should look at the New King James Version. Now it says, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's look at it and it says, for by the grace of God, so for by grace you have been saved through faith. So grace is what brings salvation to our lives. And what brings salvation to us? Christ Jesus. And the Bible says here that that grace, right, is the gift of God. Right? That grace of salvation, that gift of salvation is, okay, I'll put it this way. So the gift of salvation is by the grace of God. It's not something we work for because we can define grace as unmerited favor, something you did not work for, something you don't deserve. So salvation here is not something we work for. It's something we received. Amen. As a result of God's kindness. Amen. So no one can boast about their salvation. Nobody can say, you know, I did 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, 90 things to get before I got saved. Now, some people will say, you know what? I was a good person, right? Uh, I was a very, very good person. Then I gave my life to Christ. They've mixed their salvation with their works. And such people will never really, really experience the goodness, the, the capacity, the fullness of the measure of the, of the kindness of God, as long as they still see or have some confidence in what they have done or who they are. Such people, you find, find it very difficult to receive healing because when they are praying to God, you know, they say things like, you know, I, I give to church. I do this. I do that. So on the result of this, God, look at things I've done. Lord Jesus, where are we going in this service today? The Holy Spirit just dropped something in my heart to, to unpack. You know, this mindset of going to pray and making reference to the things you have done for the church as a basis for God to bless you is unscriptural. It's anti-gospel. It is putting faith and confidence in your own works. And such expression or thinking cannot get you saved. We wouldn't have gotten you saved in the first place. And such expressions or thinking will hinder you from receiving of the abundance of the things that God has given you. I will speak again about this ungodly and evil manipulation of taking money from people in church. This extortion, it's evil. It's not only in churches, it's also on TV where televangelists call people to give him $1,000 and all kind of stuff. I know some of my friends will say I'm against some pastors kind of thing, that I'm against a local church. I'm not against a local church, but I'm called by God to tell people the truth. I remember God saying to me, because one man of God was trying to caution me to be mindful of what I teach, you know, especially around giving and stuff like that. The Holy Spirit cautioned me, said, nobody has a right to tell you what to speak. I have the right to tell you what to say because I called you. 
So anyone may have a different perspective or mindset as to what I'm talking about. It's up to them. But the Lord is calling me right now. This is not in my notes. He's asking me to tell you that it is ungodly and it is evil for people to take money from you all in the name of getting God to bless you. It is evil. It is anti-gospel. It simply means that you are trying to earn your salvation by your own effort. You are trying to earn your redemption by your own effort, by your giving. What does God want to do with your dollars? I'm just going to quickly interject that giving for the believer is a lifestyle. See, one of the ways we express our Christian nature, our Christian attitude, is by generous giving, not by giving to get. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus, God did not give to get from us. He gave for our own good. He gave for our own redemption. We were the object of his giving. I mean, object of focus of his giving, I mean, our goodness, our restoration, our redemption, you know, deliverance of the power of sin. He gave for our own benefit, not for his own benefit. Amen. So the Lord is saying to me to tell you that when people extort you so that he can bless you, it's evil, is ungodly. And you are struggling in your relationship with God. Because as many times you try to earn what God has given to you already in Christ Jesus, right? You are subjecting yourself to, the, to a curse, Galatians 3.10. You are subjecting yourself to the powers of this world to control you. Because the law cannot save people. The Bible even tells, when I was reading, studying last night, I saw where, where it was written that, that even the fathers, the people who gave the law, right, could not fulfill or obey the law. They could not fulfill the, all the terms of the law. Right? So, and law has to do with what you must do, right, for you to be at peace with God. So, let's begin to get our thinking straight. When you want to give, you give as, as an expression of your generosity, the generosity of your new spirit, of a new person in Christ Jesus. Not give to get. The question is this. You've been trying to give to get. How is that working for you? They ask you to sow seed for your marital breakthrough, to sow seed for your financial breakthrough, to sow seed for health breakthrough. You hear all manner of covenant, this of that, which comes with one kind of titan offering. These are ungodly, they are unscriptural. You know, and people get angry at me very quickly when I say these things, even though I say them in love. But the thing is that many of them are not thinking. Only if they can hear what their children are telling me. Many of their children hate the church. They don't want to come to church. Many of them are, many of their children are cursing them behind them, angry and bitter at them for the lies and the deception. You, have you, parents, have you gone on Twitter and type in certain doctrine along these lines and see the anger and the rage in the mind of young people against these practices. Yet, we still don't apply our intelligence to start thinking separately because one man of God, one prophet or something tell you that this is it. And some people came to give testimony and we all don't tweet as if that is the gospel. And that's why I keep asking us, are we a Christian at all? Because if you're a Christian, the basis of your Christianity is the word of God. The basis of your Christianity is what the Bible says about you, who you are in Christ Jesus. So, it's either you belong to the school of Moses where they were not saved and they were doing all things to 
you know, to impress God or to get God to like them or to get God to be happy with them. It's either you are of the Jew who is unsaved or you are of Christ. You can't mix the two. I repeat, you cannot mix the two. Amen. Let's carry on. So the gospel is a gospel of grace, undeserved. You didn't work for it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. It's a gift. So except we receive the gift of the gospel, the gift of the grace of God, we will be struggling in our Christian life. You want to hear the truth? I had problems in, uh, in some few churches that I've been to in my life. You know, at some point I was given 20% tight, expecting God would bless me as a result of the percentage of my income that I give to the church at that time. And I realized that despite the fact that I was given 20% of my income, I was poorer. I could not even afford a pound for lunch. It was that bad. I didn't have accommodation. So this is me doubling my ink, doubling my tithe, my tithe. But things were harder and tougher for me. And uh, there were conditions behind my financial breakthrough. So if I give, if I do this, if I do that. So at some point I stopped giving. So I was stashing the money in my, one of my every bank account. Because it's just natural to me to give. I can't just believe going to church where they are paying for electricity. They are paying for gas. They are paying for the facility. And I stroll in there, enjoy the benefits, you know, the man of God ministers and blesses me, you know, help me to overcome some struggle and things like that through the words spoken through him, through God. And I just go in there and I, I walk in and I walk out. Even when I go to places and the pastor or with the preacher, you know, say things that blesses me. Besides the offering that I give to the church, right, I try to get a people's back account and I send them some money. As an appreciation like of for, so for the person to put in effort to be a blessing, I do that. Right? So it's just not in my nature to not to give. I, I feel uncomfortable. Sometimes I listen to the men of God that I follow and I listen to a message and it blesses me. And I bring down my card and I send some money into the account because I was blessed. So let's get it straight. I'm not saying we should not give. But the believer must come to understand that generosity is the identity. So it is irresponsible of a believer to go to church, right? They are working, they are earning, and they are not contributing towards the, towards the expenses of the church. They don't know who they have because if they do, they will. So going back to my story, so I, I might clarify that it is natural for the believer to give, right? Not to give to get. The gospel. Let's talk about the gospel. So I was tired of all this giving, 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 and nothing is happening. I was just tired. So I was touching the money in my account, and you know they said things like you have to give for money to, you have to give money for financial breakthrough and stuff like that. But I wasn't. Giving. And then I was trying to get a job in financial services at that time, and it was a big thing at that time. Friends, the, story, the summary of the story is this: When I got my first proper job, I wasn't giving tight offering, and the reason is this. The churches I was attending at that time, I was giving more than I was getting. Uh, let me clarify that. I was serving, giving everything, but no life was coming out of the preachers and the system of those churches. Not one life. You hear about Jesus maybe twice a year, Easter and Christmas. 
and all manner of things they teach are sentimental. And I was dying spiritually. It got to a point that I knew I was dying spiritually. Like I was losing my mind because we are not being edified. Everything was just about what you can do, what you can do, and some more kind of sentimental and psychological, philosophical messages. And I knew life was not coming. I mean, I wasn't being edified. And I was like, <laughs> so I think what I was doing, I was giving, I think I can't remember properly. I think I was giving a portion of my income to them as a result of the work they are doing. But the bulk of my, you know, what I would give to a church was stashed up in my account. And at some point, I think I stopped going to the church. So the money was stashing up in my separate account. So please don't think that it was because I was stashing it up. That's why God answered my prayer. No. But just because it's my nature to give. Now, I wasn't giving tithe or offering. I don't think I wasn't going to church anymore at that time when I got my job with the financial services. At that time, it was a big thing. It was a kind of a breakthrough. So in a sense, in the mind of some people, had financial breakthrough, which is nothing because it's a job that you're going, <laughs> you're going to a job and the people that are manipulating your person, they don't want you to progress. Yes, you want me to unpack the reality of a Christian life and the, reali the reality of a human life? Connect with the Transformers Church. I will unpack a lot of nonsense that we believed and help us to, to get the right stuff so that we can live that peaceful life that God has called us to live. I'm not surprised God has given this kind of personality. <laughs> I used to feel bad about my personality at some point. And I was, at, I was in Bible school one day and the teacher came in and the first word he said, he spoke was, God wants to use your personality. I was like, and that got my attention, right? So anybody can say one of the things about me, I don't give a rip, right? As long as I know that my motive is clear, my motive is for the Lord, my heart desire, my heart beat is to help people, bless people, build people up. I say, I'm not here to try to build empire for myself. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> There's so many things for me to learn and for me to... If you know the kind of thoughts that wake me up on bed in the morning, you, you'll be surprised. I want to share a little bit with you. I'll tell you later. Right. So I was touching money in my account. So I was trying to tell you that don't think it was because I was touching money on the account. That's why I had a breakthrough. Right. I got this job and, you know, to some people at that time, it's breakthrough. But from what I've learned now, it's not breakthrough. <laughs> because of the politics and manipulations going on in the workplace are how people want to block you from progressing and the people giving you who gave you the job many of them are so ungodly they're so evil even not the kind of thing that you know i don't like to use this career ladder but climbing up career ladder gets me closer to leadership in in businesses and if you hear the the, the magnitude of ungodliness there you will not call your job a breakthrough amen you will not call your job a breakthrough because sometimes some jobs that you got, they had to kill one person that they don't like. When I say kill, they got them out of the system because they don't like them because that person is doing the, thing, the right things to get to the job. And you said that's a breakthrough. Nah. And they will not even allow you to preach the gospel, minister the gospel, or to, or to, or to give expression to the godliness on the inside of you. And you call that a breakthrough. Nah, it's not. Amen. <clears throat> praise the Lord. I believe I've not offended anyone, but praise the Lord. But that is the truth. So I got this job, right, which many people think was breakthrough at that point in time. And I've done so a number of experiments. And I can tell you with all confidence that what God has done for you in Christ Jesus is what qualifies you for the blessing of God, not what you have done. And you can never do enough to make God like you. You can't do enough. Because somebody, there will only be someone who can outdo you. And if it was your actions that move God, then you, you will not even have a place at all in God. You will not even have a place because people cannot do you. Now, I am of the African descent, of Nigerian descent, 
And um, we are not kind of really wired to walk like some, I say, Russian counterpart, because those guys can walk. I've seen some Russian guys who can walk like crazy. How they get the energy, how they do it, I just don't know. So if we're to go by human effort and labor to get God to bless us, Nigerians will be, will they have no place. I repeat, they will have no place because of their Russian counterpart can walk. They are resilient. They are, these guys, they have some abilities. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you look at, is it the ability of an angel? I guess I work with some of them. Crazy guys. For good. I mean, I'm not saying negative. Crazy guys. Work. Daily hard work. And I've sent some European guys who are just, just kind of mashing up. I, I asked a question like, do you guys get tired? You know, when we're doing some work and back then when I used to do more of a um, physical labor kind of work, I do a lot of mental work now, which is more hard, which more difficult than physical labor. When I used to do physical labor kind of work, I mean, like when I'm trying to take to, to, to slow down and to take a break, the guys are still pumping. So if human effort, you're serving, this is where I'm going, you're serving in church, your local church, you're sweeping the floor, all kinds of things that people say, you're opening all manner of stuff that people say that will qualify for God's blessing. You say, walk in the vineyard of the Lord so that God can bless you. If you are walking in the vineyard of the Lord so that God can bless you, it means that you're walking in the vineyard of the Lord is conditional, it's not genuine, it's not sincere, it's not plain, it's not clean. Permit my choice of words this morning. You're walking, you're walking the vineyard of the Lord to get God to bless you is, with all due respect, unchristlike. Because it's not generous. You are given to get. And that's not the nature of God. So if you're walking the vineyard of the Lord is to get God to bless you, Russians and Europeans who will who can who can do 12 hours straight with no rest, right? Will have favor with the Lord and you, you have no hope. So it's better we just humble ourselves and receive. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And receive of the blessings and the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Let's just humble ourselves and enjoy the simplicity of the gospel. I realized that I started doing much more for God the more I realized or discovered His gospel and the grace than I've ever done in my life. You know, the way I work for God, you know, the way I do things now, it's not because I want to get anything. And because I don't give a reap what people say about me or think about me to a very much extent, right? And I'm still trusting God that to help me not to even give a reap at all, right? And I realized that I do much more. I try to mind my business. And I think about, say, how far can I go in this assignment? How far can I go? How much can I touch nations? And these are just the thinking stage of my assignment. People think, uh, because, I'm, because we planted a church, we have landed. No, no, no. God said to me one, they said, we are, we are preparing you for pastoring. I was like, I thought I've said a pastoring. So there's a journey ahead of me. And I'm thinking, how far can I go? How much can I change nations? Can I touch nations? So the question to you, because if you're thinking about getting, you can't think too far. If you're thinking of a kind of transaction-like relationship with God, you can't go too far. Your potentials and the abilities, the grace that God has given to you, right? Grace here refers to abilities, right? Cannot find expression because you are so narrow-focused, narrow-minded, thinking of what you can get. When God has given you nations and given you abilities to reach nations, somebody's lying to us, they're deceiving us. Friends, you are not inferior to even the greatest of the apostles on earth today in Christ Jesus. You are not. 
That does not mean we should be rude or disrespectful. Because it's not in our Christian nature to be, res- to be disrespectful to anybody. So it means that it's not only pastors, prophets, apostles that you should respect. Respect your fellow believer. If, you res- if your respect is only upward, vertical, and not horizontal, we should question your Christian life. You've not really understood your Christian nature. That somebody walk past you in church, right? And you treat them like a priest of trash. And when your pastor is coming, you are jumping, you are bowing. Oh, bless you, sir. You know, it means that we are not seeing correctly. Amen. Right. Thank you for having questions in your mind that I got, that got the Holy Ghost to tell me to address these things. And uh, thank you for not allowing me to go through my notes. Right. I really appreciate that. Right. Thank you. Right. <laughs> but I hope that blesses you. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to stay on this gospel journey for, but I, I believe that God wants to uproot all manner of lies and deception they had of people and we are just starting you know I, i'm not surprised at how our service go most of the time because the journey that god has called us to is to help people to discover the truth first timothy 2 4 the bible says god wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth so as much as god is interested and so much wants you to be saved he also wants you to know the truth so being saved and not knowing the truth most of the time creates disaster and issues in our life. So God wants you to be saved and he wants you to know the truth. Don't run away from the truth. When I started sharing um, the good news, at least I think I have at least 10 or 10 to 15 people who have followed me on social media. Yeah. Since I started sharing the gospel, the good news, I wasn't condemning them. I wasn't saying anything horrible kind of thing, but the truth. So, if your colleagues, your friends, other Christians don't want to face the truth because they want to hold on to that sacred cow of sacred sacred cow of ungodly and on, on anti-gospel thinking, if they want to hold on to that, let them hold on to it, and don't feel like you don't feel a sense of rejection when they begin to separate them from you. You know, when I was meditating this morning for this um, service. I said to myself, one of the ways to send ungodly people away out of your life is to stand for the truth. If you're a person who is very sensitive and very intelligent, you know that the things I've shared, I've not said anything in a malicious way. I have not at all. Intelligent people will know that everything I've shared with you guys this morning had no malicious content in it because I never attacked anyone. I've only said what the Bible says and what our actions and the belief system is. And Apostle Paul did a lot of this. Amen. So, um, if people want to leave you because they want because they want to hold on to the lies and and the ungodliness they have believed for so long, and they don't want to let them go, let them go. But don't allow yourself to feel like you be you 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 you'll be left with nobody, right? Speaking the truth, standing for the truth, and when people leave you, it tells you that those should not be your friends, even if your relatives. Start distancing themselves from you because of the truth. Rejoice in the Lord. Jesus says that we'll be persecuted. You know, people will condemn us for the faith. See, it's a compliment. So when people begin to unfollow you, when people begin to say all manner of negatives against you because for the sake of the gospel, now you are on Jesus' side. If you are speaking the truth and some ungodly people are not feeling uncomfortable, then we should check the kind of truth you stand for. Amen. So I also want to say to people who are following me, please remember to unfriend me because I have about, about 4.2 thousand friends on Facebook and 
I need, I need to unfriend a lot of people. Uh, you know, if I can get 2,000 off, uh, that'd be so helpful. So as you unfollow me, as I share, because I'm not started at all, I'm just starting. As I share the truth about the gospel so that people can be delivered. Because Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the power that brings salvation. God has called me to partner with him to save people. God has called me to partner with him to save people. It's not to go and make friends with people. And when I say friends here, I mean to build a, co a, a community of ungodliness around me. So as the people are following me, please remember to unfriend me because I need to kind of sh shed a lot of weight from my life. Amen. Then I know, I, I, Jesus' record was about 6,000 people unfollowed him when he, when he, when he preached the gospel, which because they, they, they misinterpreted it and thought he was talking about cannibalism. Right, so some things I've shared now, so some people say, you know, I'm speaking against some fathers of faith. Mention their name, the, 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 the issues with their mind is not with me. Amen. Because they are the one interpreting it. Because I don't even know many fathers of faith, to be honest. Except for Papa Egan, Andrew Mack, and some other people that I respect. Amen. So please, I, I plead with you as you, as you follow me, as you, as you see more of the gospel, remember to unfriend me as well, so that I don't need to spend hours to remove many of these weeds that are troubling my life. Amen. That doesn't sound nice, right? But it's the truth. We are giving ourselves to the truth in such a way that the truth we know that we hold on to the truth. And deception and lies we know that we are against it. And we are not attacking people. Don't forget, we are not attacking people. We are against lies and deception that puts people in bondage. So thank you so much, guys, for uh, connecting with us in service this morning. I hope that blesses you.